by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. We've been on a series called what? All right, I'm going back to the first message. That's it. We're starting over. Bigger on the inside. When that, when that thought came to me, what we were going to talk about, that, that term bigger on the inside, I started thinking about all these things that I was going to preach on. And you know what? I haven't got to any of those yet because God keeps showing me other things to preach before. It's just so much to this topic. and It's like it just keeps flooding in and, and I can just come up here and pray for a minute and then I'll just get, hey, this is a direction, this is a direction. I had to hold Slow your roll here. <laughs> There's so much to speak on. Uh, you know, God alone sets our boundaries. We talked about that the first week. That means he tells us what is our capacity. We can go no further than this. But nobody else should be able to tell us how far that we can go. If we're willing to grow bigger on the inside, God sets the boundaries. And if you need to <clears throat> hear anything about the first two messages, go to our website, www.mypassion.church and uh, go to the podcast and listen to those. I would advise you to listen to them because they're very good messages. Tonight's message in this series is entitled, A New Sheriff in Town. Let's turn to Mark chapter 10. <coughs> it ain't you, Chad. <laughs> Somebody give me my bullet. <laughs> All right, Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Then Peter spoke up and said, We've left everything to follow you. How many of us can say that? We've left everything to follow you. When I was in junior high, I had this buddy. I'm not going to say his name. But I had this buddy. We decided we was going to try out for the junior high football team together. Back in them days, I don't know what was wrong with the people back in them days. It was in the 70s, I guess. But th they thought if it was really hot outside and you were going to be exercising in the summertime that you were supposed to eat some salt pills that were about this big. Does anybody remember that besides me? Was that not the perfectly wrong thing to do? But they would make you swallow these salt pills before you went out into the sun thinking that it, was, it would keep you from dehydrating or something. But anyway, we're running, and, you know, we got these big pads on us, 100-something degrees, and they got us circling and doing all these exercises and stuff. And my friend, he's, he's not quite as good a shape as I'm in, and, and I was in bad shape. And uh, he says, man, let's go. This is too much work. I'm like, no, I, I want to play football, you know. So I talked him into staying. Well, once those salt pills kicked in and we both hurled our cookies, we're looking at each other, slobber coming on down. I said, maybe we should go. And so he talked me into leaving the football team. So I didn't play football that year. That was the last I ever played football. 
Then later on in the year, they had basketball tryouts. I was getting pretty good at basketball. I, I love basketball. Basketball has turned out to be my favorite sport. I wish I would have played basketball, but sadly, I took this same friend with me to basketball tryouts. They took one look at us, <laughs> and I could just see what was going through the coach's mind. We're going to run these kids until we get rid of the, the riffraff. And so that's what they did. We were running up and down the bleachers, running around, and Hal's like, okay, Hal, did I say Hal? <laughs> uh, don't let Hal hear this podcast. Anyway, Hal's like, come on, man, let's quit. Let's quit. I can't take it. And I don't know why I felt obligated to Hal. I probably could have made the practice. I could have finished the practice. But he was persuasive, and I was tired. So what did I do? I quit the basketball team. First day. But I'd been playing baseball. That was my main sport. So I knew I was going to play baseball. Surely the baseball coach wouldn't be that bad. So I played baseball in junior high. When I went to high school, I, I got on the high school baseball team. And lo and behold, the coach actually acted like he wanted me on the team. <laughs> he encouraged me. Uh, he was, uh, I don't know if he was a man of faith, but he was a man of great character. His name was Coach Doss at Whitehaven, if anybody remembers him. He went on to be with the Lord about five or ten years ago. But uh, Coach Doss took me under his wing. He knew I was riffraff. He knew that I was subject to quit if the pressure got too high. And he took me under his wing, and he didn't just teach me baseball. He started teaching me how to have some class, how to have some character. And in return for his attention that he gave me, I wanted to please him. So before you know it, uh, I'm, I'm one of the leaders on the baseball team. Played for him for three years. It got to, so in my 11th and 12th grade year, I, I was running three miles a day before practice, and we were lifting weights, and I was in the best shape of my life. I, I was like, I don't know, 8-0 pitching my 11th grade year. Then I hurt my arm in the right on, on the senior year. <clears throat> but still uh, played good enough to make the all-metro team which is nine players from Memphis who were selected from the different conferences in Memphis, one from each conference. So I got to go to Chick Stadium. Anybody remember Chick Stadium? Chick's, that's a long time ago. But anyway, we went to Chick Stadium and got introduced and everything. It's an all-metro team in baseball. And uh, I have to give a lot of credit to Coach Doss because if it wouldn't have been for sports, if it wouldn't have been for baseball, I don't know where I'd be right now. Because if I'd have just hung out with the people I was hanging out with and didn't have anything to work towards, had no goal, no vision for my life at all. I mean, Coach Doss kept me worrying about staying in shape and worrying about the next game. You know, he, we had goals we were achieving. But uh, my friends, they didn't have any goals they were achieving. And I was being pulled in two directions. But thank goodness for somebody like Coach Doss coming along. And so, at the end of my high school year, I, I get a junior college offer to play baseball at a, at a school, but there's a summertime between, you know, when you go there. And so, I didn't kind of stay in shape too well over the summer. So, uh, guess what happened when I pitched my first game in college? Right, I'll tell you later. <coughs> What's holding us back? <laughs> Good answer. 
we all have something keeping us from going higher in our life to going to the next level or, or achieving our dreams. Why don't you achieve your dreams? What keeps you from facing the giants in your path? We all have a story. <laughs> you might have a howl dog in you or something. <laughs> I don't know. You know, you, it might be the buddies you're hanging around. It might just be because you're a bad influence. I don't know. What keeps you? Think about it for a moment. We all probably think, maybe somebody in here is right where they want to be. I don't know. But most of us know that, man, I really want to get there, but I'm scared, or I don't think I can make it. There's all kind of excuses why we don't get to where we want to get. There's a really funny story in uh, 1 Samuel 10, probably the funniest story to me in the whole Bible. Uh, it's when the priest Samuel came to anoint um, Saul to be king of Israel, the first king of Israel, and Saul was this big, handsome fella, you know, head above every guy in, in Israel, a real good-looking fella and everything, and they were all excited. They, they wanted a king. You see, Israel wanted a king, even though God wanted to be their king, but that's another story. And so they were going to have the big introduction. I, I just picture it like they do today, you know. They were going to bring him out, you know, all the people. Ah, we, <laughs> we introduce to you your new king, Saul. And the crowd's going crazy. Saul! Somebody go get Saul! Kings! Saul! Nothing. Somebody find Saul. They're looking frantically for Saul. This is in the Bible. Go check it out. So they're looking for Saul. This guy's supposed to be the king now. He's supposed to be the leader. They can't find him. God himself has the whisper down from heaven, he's behind the baggage. This is a true story. God whispers from heaven, he's behind the baggage. What? They go look behind the baggage and they have to drag Saul out and he's like, true story. So my question is, why are you hiding behind the baggage? Is it baggage from your past failures? Is it baggage like a, like a howl hanging on to you? <laughs> what, what's keeping you from succeeding? Are you magnifying the obstacles in your path? You know, that's one thing we do. Well, I would like to start a business, but, boy, I got to do all that paperwork, and I got to have a bank account set up, and I got to, it's just too much. I won't fool with it. We think the obstacles are too much. It's just not worth it. But we're talking about our dream, right? If we look at our, if we just look at our own abilities, we probably will want to hide behind something, won't we? I'm not saying that you're insecure or that I'm insecure, but we got reasons to be insecure. We're humans. And the dreams that we have placed in our heart weren't placed there by a human. If you have Jesus in your heart, and I believe God gives everybody a dream, whether they're even saved or not. I, everybody has, is born with a calling, I believe. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but 
We need to be able to envision God's super on our natural. That's vision, right? We got to have a we got to be able to have a vision. We can't just see it. Well, I can't. I, I'm looking at myself. Well, no, you can't. But aren't all things possible with God? Saul, you see, he was big on the outside. He was a big dude. But little David was big on the inside. Which one of them succeeded? David did. We need to be bigger on the inside. I wrote this. If your outward success dwarfs your inward capacity, you'll eventually collapse like Saul for lack of a structure in your life, for lack of structure on the inside of you. Does that make sense? Have you seen people that rise to sudden fame or, or win the lottery and they have everything they want but they can't maintain it? Say structure. Structure is what supports the growth on the inside of you. If you're going to be bigger on the inside, what are you going to need? Structure. God-sized dreams require new structure within us. Okay, is, it, is this making sense? All right, so if I've got a house, and I've got the frame up and everything, and I'm building a roof, but I'm thinking to myself, well, I just want to go ahead and add a little carport. Am I just going to keep building the roof off the edge until it breaks? and It's going to fall, isn't it? Why? No structure to hold up the growth. Trees that grow fruit or whatever. Some of them collapse and the limbs break off because too much fruit. There wasn't enough structure to hold the fruit that God wanted to put on that tree. We need to be growing what? Structure. Now I'm going to say something that you probably won't grasp here, but if you go back and listen to the podcast, if, you, if you're interested in it, vision defines growth. you got to see it. Before you can be it. Vision defines growth. If you want to get bigger, you've got to be able to see it. Leadership equips for growth. Structure supports growth. And the systems in your life drive the growth. Systems, maybe like how you do things. Your habits. That's determining how you drive growth. But what I wanted you to just see out of this is structure, tonight we're going to talk about, structure supports the growth. You've got to have the structure in place. We can't get bigger until our leadership gets bigger, until our structure, until we get a bigger place to hold everybody. Right? We can fill this up, but we can't go any further because we don't have the structure to get bigger. And, and see, for us to get bigger on the inside, we've got to get a new structure. A lack of structure equals no growth. And guess what? A bad structure won't hold up growth either. What if you've got a bunch of rotten two-by-fours or something to try to hold up growth? It's going to fall in. And self is a weak structure. Am I making any sense? Self is a weak structure. We were not designed to carry the load. 
that make sense? So we need to empty ourselves of self. It's an oxymoron, and from an oxymoron. <laughs> it, we need to empty ourselves of ourselves. Several years ago, probably seven or eight years ago now, I was teaching in the children's church. That's what I did. And Angie, I think she was working here at the church as secretary, still does. And uh, the youth pastors that we had at the time, they either quit or left or, or stepped down for some reason. I don't remember at the time. But we were, you know, trying to figure out who we was, was going to get to be the youth pastors. Well, I felt in my heart that I wanted to take the youth. I felt God was telling me to take the youth. And I told Angie, I told Pastor at the time, and, and uh, we said, well, we'll pray about it. Well, Angie was having a hard time thinking that, oh, we can't do that. We are, we're not in the ministry. We haven't, you know, I don't know what she was thinking, but she was having, you want to explain, but she was having a hard time thinking that we could deal with it. Well, have you ever looked at a set of youth in the face when you're in that, in that little room with them? That's why I carry this gun. No, I'm just kidding. <coughs> No gun, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but we knew we couldn't do it without God. We knew we'd have to be casting our cares on the Lord. We knew we'd have to believe 1 John 4, 4 that says, Greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. We knew we were going to have to depend on the greater one to do it. And so we said yes. And we were the youth pastors. I was the youth I don't know if I ever got the official title of pastor, but I was the youth leader for about five years. But you know, even Jesus says in John 14, 10, he said, do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. See, he became a human, and he, and he emptied himself of his heavenly power, so to speak, and he operated as a man with the same Holy Spirit that we use. And he's, here he is, he understands, he's God in human form, but he understands it's the Father in him that must do the work. If I'm going to get this thing done, it can't just be me in the flesh. It has to be the Father in me. <clears throat> That's a good place to say amen. Amen. So what am I saying tonight? What are we getting at? We should just surrender to God. Oh, no, pastor, not again. You come back to that every sermon. It's still true. We just hit it from different angles. But surrender to God is the answer to all your problems. It's the answer to achieving your dreams, your hopes, Getting you out of the, the fix you're in. Surrendering to God. God has a plan for everything. And his plans don't fail. If we will hook up with him and do exactly what he says, play by play, who can fail? Where's the weak link? Self. Rick Warren says, surrendering your life to God means this. It means following God's lead without knowing where he's sending you. It means waiting for God's timing without knowing when it will come. It means expecting a miracle without knowing how God will provide. 
It means trusting God's purpose without understanding the circumstances. You know you're surrendered to God when you rely on God to work things out instead of trying to manipulate others. Force your agenda and control the situation. You let go and let God work. You don't have to always be in charge. Instead of trying harder, you must trust more. There's a novel idea. Trust God. Can, is God trustworthy? So are you going to trust in your own strength, the arm of the flesh? Are you going to trust in the almighty God? You remember when uh, they asked Jesus to do something about the, they ran out of wine at the wedding? He said, my time has not come. And, and Mary told the servants, just do what he says. Just do what he says. That's what the whole Bible boils down to. Just do what he says. Surrender to him. Just do what God says. <laughs> Sometimes surrender is the best thing. We always want to conquer and, and make somebody surrender to us. But sometimes surrender is the best thing. Anybody remember McKellar Lake over off President's Island? Glows at night green with nuclear radiation. and <laughs> There's four-headed fish in there. And <laughs> we used to ski in there. <laughs> Angie, you skied in there with us one time, didn't you? That's where I learned to ski. And my friend had one of those jet boats. <laughs> I mean, it had a car engine in the back of it, and we skied behind that thing. And uh, the first time I tried to ski, you know, I was sitting in the water, and I had my skis going like this, and he said, get them out of the water and stick them up straight, and you, you don't know how to do that. You never skied, and you're doing all this number. And finally, I just said, gave him the thumbs up. He said, took off with that big, and it jerked me, but instead of jerking me up on top of water on the skis, it jerked me face forward. <laughs> And I didn't know better. I just hung on. I'm doing 20, 30 mile an hour miles. I'm going all the back of my head. Finally, it just pried me loose. So he he comes back up, and I grab the side of the boat. I pull my eyelids back down. He said, "Climb on up in." I said, "Uh." -uh. He said, climb on back in. What's, what's, what's the hole up? I said, my shorts. They're about a mile back. <laughs> Sometimes it's just best to surrender. Let go. <laughs> True, right? <laughs> That's like some of our lives. We're holding on to the wrong things and just being drug around by the face. How many saw the movie Wyatt Earp? Uh, I think there's two of them, but the one I'm talking about, he's, I think it's a true story. The guy's uh, like a sheriff in this bad town, his tombstone or one of those old wild towns, and he comes in there, and he cleans the town up. They make him sheriff. He runs all the bad guys off, puts a sign up in town, no firearms permitted in town. Well, He's sheriff for some period of time, and something happens, he gets fired. Well, 
They called him back. About a year later, the ruffians done come back to town, as, went back to the way it was, and now they want him back. So, so he comes back, and there's people riding up down the street shooting guns and stuff. First thing he does, he goes over and he sees this sign thrown in a heap over there off beside the, in an alley, and he pulls it back up, and it's been shot with shotgun pellets and stuff about a hundred times. <laughs> he nails it back into the ground, and he gets his double-barrel shotgun and loads it and goes, stands out in the street and stops those horsemen coming down the street, a whole gang of them. I'm sheriff in this here town again. You see that sign over there? No firearms in town. Hey, there's a new sheriff in town. There needs to be a new sheriff in town, in your life. And guess who it needs to be? Who is able to keep the bad guys away? Who is able to clean up your mess, your town, so to speak? Who is able to get you to your destination safely? So, uh, anyway, I got to my first year of college and uh, didn't work out much that summer. But I had learned something through high school. I had learned a little bit of discipline. And I wouldn't, certainly didn't want to let Coach Doss down. I wanted to succeed. I began to see that I could succeed. I began to see, hey, maybe there is a future. Maybe there is something to work for. And so when I got to school, I cleaned my act back up, started running and lifting weights and getting in shape and working with the team, really taking it seriously. And the, the first game, they put me to pitch. I got to start in the first game against a, a team called Three Rivers, I think, from in Illinois or somewhere up north came down. And uh, guess what happened? I pitched a no-hitter my first game in college. No-hitter. I will say that after that game, I never another, won another game in college. <laughs> yeah. No, I really did pitch good that first game. But what that meant from then on out, they made me the ace. So I only pitched against the best teams that we faced from then on. And our team wasn't that good. So after a couple of losses, even though I may have pitched well, I started to lose my focus. I started to forget all Coach Doss's teaching. I started to, to party, hang out, womanize, and all the things you do in college. I, start, I lost focus. You know what? Once you surrender, you can't lose focus. You've got to walk it out day by day. Some of us are good at surrendering for periods in our, in our life, but then we lose focus and maybe something hits us and a couple of losses under our belt, and all of a sudden now we don't, we don't want to surrender anymore. We, and how did we get here? I'm sitting on the bench by the end of the year. I hate sitting on the bench. Angie. I have nightmares about sitting on the bench. I had never sat on the bench until that year. But it was all my undoing, my own doing, my undoing. How do you surrender? How's the best way to surrender? One day at a time. One day at a time. 
One day at a time, sweet Jesus. One day at a time. Does anybody remember that TV show, One Day at a Time? I mention that because we have one of the stars from there. Uh, there's Snyder back there, the maintenance man. <laughs> Roll your sleeves up and show him. <laughs> He's still got a pack of cigarettes over there. Huh? No, they're not. <laughs> but if you saw the show, you'd get it. If you don't, you don't. <laughs> You're just holding them for how? Okay. If it took Jesus just one day at a time, it's going to take us just one day at a time. You know, he's our example. He came to earth. He showed us how everything goes. And you know what? He began small. Real small. With nothing but a little stable, a manger, and a calling. That's how Jesus started. Like most of us. Into the world. You took nothing into the world and you're taking nothing out, you know. But he grew up and he studied his father's ways. Studied his father's ways. He began to learn who he was in Christ. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So he began to study the scriptures. Faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So he began to develop faith. He began to develop understanding, wisdom. Get wisdom. It's the principal thing. It's found in the word of God. So he, he began to study the scriptures and find out who he is. And when it was time, he brought along 12 little regular fellows with him. Nothing fancy. And he began to follow the father's instructions. One day at a time. Just one day at a time. It didn't take him long, three years. His ministry, he weathered the storms. He had some storms. He, he saw the ebbs and flows of ministry, which I'm learning about, how it seems like everything's going good, and the next day, everything falls apart, you know. Two steps forward, three steps back, you know, ebbs and flows. The tide comes in, the tide comes out. He experienced that. Could have got, got discouraged, you know, when he weathered the storms or when the ebbs and flows came. But he didn't. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. See, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint for most of us. One day at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So how do you take on a big dream? One step at a time. One, one prayer at a time. What? One day at a time. Matthew 6.34 says, So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. See, some of us have overwhelmed ourselves out of our dream. Every time we think, man, I'm going to get my life together, we try to do it all at once, and then it falls apart, and it's like, well, forget this. Or we begin to see, man, it's so big, it's no way I'll ever get there. But if you've been walking with the Lord at all, look how far you've come already. It doesn't happen overnight. 
And it's not a stopping place, really. You just walk it out. One day at a time. One day at a time. You know, I can't think about next week's sermons. I'm not even really, I know what I'm going to preach Sunday, but I haven't prayed that one out yet. This brain will only take so much in one day. I have limits, you know, so I just do what I can do today. On Wednesdays, I clear my slate and I worry about Wednesday night. And I take it one day at a time. I have plans, but they're realistic plans on what I can do one day at a time. And God doesn't ask you to do more than you can do as far as your part. But when he sees that obedience, he'll start doing the super stuff that you, you wish you could do but can't. And I'll say this, love is always your greatest strength. Why do you throw that in, Pastor? Well, because it's true. Knowing and operating in God's love will compel you to overcome, to endure, and to finish strong. Does that make sense? Knowing how much he loves you, how much he gave for you, you begin to think about him on the cross, and, you, and when the hard times come, you think, well, Jesus did that. How can I let him down by, gets a little hard on me, you know? How can, how can I not witness to this person when Jesus died for that person? How can I not forgive somebody when all I've been forgiven? You know, the love of God, if you know it, it will change everything about you. It is the greatest power, the greatest force on the planet Earth. Our God is love. And if we operate in love, his, his love is like miracle grow in our plans. Really. You can operate in the supernatural if you love. Because faith worketh by love. I'm convinced that miracles and all those things, they come through a heart of love. God doesn't give this, his super to somebody who's got vindictive insides and, and dreams. He, he gives it to people who love and who want to do his will. If you ask anything according to his will, you know that you have the petitions that you desire of him. But it's according to his will. And what is his will? To love. Everything that he does is for love. And when you understand that everything that you're going through is because of his love, I keep spitting out. I found something to blink. Everything, what was I saying? Yeah, oh, that's right. Thank y'all, thank y'all. What I was going to say is, no matter what we're going through, we can trust his love because we know that all things are working for, together for our good. So when you have things happen to you, and it's like, wow, what did I do to deserve this? Like Paul and Silas could have been saying down there in the prison, we were just preaching the message, and now look, at this, I, I'm not serving him anymore. No. If you know his love, they were down there singing songs and praising him in the darkest hour because they knew his love. You can endure because of his love. You can overcome. You can achieve. There's nothing you can't do if you, not, if you have a strong enough foundation in who he is. All things are possible to him that believeth. 
You must be, believe that he is and a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That he's good. His mercy endures forever. <clears throat> We're never bigger on the inside than when we are fueled by love. We're talking about being bigger on the inside. That, that'll get you bigger, faster than anything else. It's to deny self and love somebody else. That makes you a big person. It's the biggest thing you can do to love. Well, we, we took the youth for five years, you know, and, uh, and Pastor Paul passed and uh, felt the call to be campus pastor here. And uh, I was wondering how Angie was going to take that. But she didn't hesitate a moment. She didn't hesitate at all. In fact, she, she was encouraging me to do it. Because why? Because Angie had moved past her old limitations. See, Angie had been building new structure in her life over the last five, seven years. Studying to show herself approved. If you come to my house, you're liable to find her in her prayer closet, sitting in a little beanbag chair, whatever it is that she's got back there, reading her devotionals, reading the Bible, writing down. She's, she's probably back there texting one of you, trying to love on somebody, helping somebody. <laughs> right? She's grown bigger on the inside than... Her old lack of confidence used to be on the inside. She's weathered some storms. It ain't easy what she's doing, but she's still here, still moving forward, knows that the sun will come up again tomorrow if she makes a mistake. And she's human, she makes mistakes. But she's not letting that scare her anymore because she knows God is a forgiving and a merciful God. And failing is just part of succeeding. And I want all of you to know that. Some people won't try because they're afraid to fail. You'll never succeed if you don't try. Kaylee used to shoot the basketball. She always shot a line drive, and it would come from the bottom of the gold rim, you know, hit the bottom of the rim. That's my daughter. And I would say, Kaylee, there's 0% chance of you making a basket if it never gets above the rim. true. <clears throat> Angie has surrendered to a new sheriff. God is controlling her life. She's let God's love fuel her. And I tell you what, she's the lovingest person I know. I say that honestly. I, I can't tell you what a help she is to me and what an inspiration she is to me. When I'm like wanting to wring some of y'all's necks, you know, she's like, no, just love them. Love them through it, you know. So what's next for Angie? What's next for me? I don't, I don't know. I'm sure it'll be something to do with the Passion Church. I hope. But I know we'll, we'll do whatever we need to do. And I know we can, can do whatever's next. If we grow this thing and, and you know, I, I can't see. What, what do you do with 5,000 people like some of these mega churches? I, I can't see that yet, but God has given us vision for it. God has taken us, what? One day at a time. And if we will stay with the program, we won't divert, we won't run, run back and hide behind the baggage, 
we will eventually get everything that God wants us to do. Only he knows our limitations. He sets the boundaries. He says this far and no more. But until then, does anybody ever reach that part this far and no more? I don't know. Angie knows if she's willing and obedient, she'll eat the good of the land. We all need to know that. Peter said in Mark 10, 28, when we started, we have left everything to follow you. Jesus said, you know, nobody leaves mother, father, brother, sister, children, houses, lands for my sake that they won't get back a hundred times that much in this, in this life and in the world to come, everlasting life. You can't outgive God. If we give him everything, he will give us everything. Can you say that? What, what do you want to say about Jesus? I just want to throw up my hand and say, I surrender. But I got to do it every day. Because guess what? Tomorrow, I might have a bout of the flesh. <laughs> day by day. Moment by moment, fresh surrender. Delve into his love. Study the scriptures to show yourself approved. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Let his love increase your capacity. Build structure in your life. And you can imagine if, if God is building the structure and the things it's taking to build this foundation in you, you know he's bringing the fruit. You know, he, you know harvest day is coming. You know that the growth is going to come. It, if you build it, <laughs> he will come. Can y'all hear my heart? Because I can hear it. Uh, seriously, I'm thinking. Um, he told me he was going to say something about me, but I thought he was just kidding to get me in here to make sure what he said, you know. But I just want to elaborate what he said because there's more, a little more to it. But um, when we first came to this church, the first I've shared some this story part of it. Uh, the first thing I ever did as far as serving was like uh, I kept the two-year-olds. I watched the two-year-olds with Gail, and I did that for a little while, and then one day Gail asked me to, like, teach the two-year-olds, and I'm telling y'all, I was in a panic. I was in a panic to two-year-olds. It seems so silly to me when I say it now. It's embarrassing to even say that. I was, what was I panicking about? There were two, you know. So I did that, and then later, a few years down the road, um, I went to kids camp with Gail, and we took the, uh, the children to, not the youth, the children to kids camp. Well, when we got there, I panicked. Uh, um, I had a freak out. Like, I cried when I got there. I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be able to do this. I don't know. I wasn't leading the camp. I was just supposed to watch the kids in my thing, y'all. It was like everything, my point is, everything that God wants you to do is out of your comfort zone. <laughs> and, and so by the time when he wanted to do the youth, he messed that story up a little because we were in a leadership meeting. He had not told me he wanted to do the youth, and he told Pastor Paul that he wanted to. And I looked at him like he was crazy because I thought, 
no, we ain't supposed to do the youth. He did so good with the kids and everything, and I thought, he's great with the kids. He ain't great with the youth. He don't have that much patience, you know, and, and I just couldn't believe he wanted to do the youth. Well, uh, it eventually turned out we did the youth, and as y'all all know, who loves the youth the most? <laughs> Who's still with the youth? Who's still, I mean, I love the youth so much, and it was just right after that, so God knows what you want even more than you know what you want. You know, you think you don't want something, but if you just follow him, he knows what you want more than you do. And that led to when this opportunity presented itself, I was scared to death. I was thinking, oh, my God, God, you've got to be kidding, you know, in my mind to myself. But at the very beginning, you know, as it, but as it came, um, I knew because of all the times before that I had felt like that, and he brought me out of it, and he brought me through it, and he grew me every time. I knew that when this, you know, I know that you, I just knew it was God and that we could do it. You know, I was scared to death, but I knew that if I just did what I've done before, follow with him, and I trust, you know, I had faith in him, that, you know, as scary as it was, we could do it. And so for me, like getting out of my comfort zone was doing all those things I was afraid of. But people have different kind of ways. God is bigger, than, you know, for God to be bigger on the inside. He always had the confidence. He always knew what he wanted to do. He wanted to go, run, be out in front of people. I mean, he just had confidence. That's the kind of person he was. But for God to make him bigger on the inside, he had to uh, submit to authority and not go be in charge. And that, you know, I had to, he made me get out and be in charge where and he made him know, I got to know, because he thought he could do it on his own. You know, he wasn't thinking that, but he was because he'd always done it. He's in charge. He's confident. He can do all that. But in his situation, it was the opposite. You know, he had to submit in his way for God to bring him where he wanted to be, you know. And so it's like whatever, everybody's different. It's not just you just think bigger on the inside means, oh, bigger, push you out, everybody be big. But it means whatever God has for you and God so, knows how to grow you. Right. He knows how to grow you. You can't look at everybody else. But I feel like for men and people in his situation where you want to be in charge, you want to run out, you have to, he has to slow you down. You know, he had to pull me along and he had to slow him down. So, anyway. Thank you, Angie. Well, let's pray. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.